Well, it's wonderful to be able to greet you this morning and uh, uh, to turn our attention back to God's Word. This is definitely the longest uh, series of its kind I've ever done. And I promise you this is the last week. Uh, this is the last leg. And uh, this morning we're going to be turning in our reflections uh, on the life of Elijah to 2 Kings chapter 1 which is the last mention of Elijah's earthly journey. Uh, and we will see what we can learn from that. There's a few things I want to draw our attention to. Remember, we are looking at the story of Elijah. Uh, we began quite a few weeks ago in James chapter 5, uh, knowing that this was a man just like us. And as we've tracked with him, as we walked with him, we have seen how he is just like us. Yes, he had some highs. Yes, he had some lows. Uh, but he also uh, f has come a little closer to us, I hope, uh, in this journey that we have uh, tracked with him. Uh, just to recap what we looked at last week, we uh, ended off in chapter 1 of Second Kings uh, with Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, uh, who was a uh, again, uh, following in his father's footsteps, quite a wicked king. He had he was facing problems, um, and instead of uh, turning to God's prophet, turning to the community of God, he went to uh, look for solutions uh, after false gods, and he sends his captains. and We see how we can learn from him. Uh, also, in some ways, parallelly holding up. Luke chapter 9 before us because we see over there also um, the call of um, John to Jesus saying, shall we call down fire from heaven? And we saw some parallels there and we concluded by saying we must locate ourselves in the living community. We must remember that the least is the greatest in the kingdom of God. And while we are interested in the majestic, powerful, wonderful works of God, we also must most importantly understand the cross. As we move forward this morning to 2 Kings chapter 2, I'm calling this se uh, this section that we're looking at the first eight verses of 2 Kings chapter 2. I'm calling it just press on and you will see uh, why. One of the important uh, lessons as you look at this opening uh, verses over here is that it marks the end of Elijah's earthly journey. The chapter opens by telling us when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. It doesn't in some ways tell us that Elijah knew exactly how he was going to be taken away. This is uh, the writer writing after the event. And we're also reading this after the event. But both Elijah and Elisha, although, as you can see from this passage, had a sense of what was coming, they didn't know the exact details. It's important that we grasp both those aspects of knowing, a, having a sense of the future, having a sense of what's on God's heart, but not knowing all the time, all the details ahead of time. And so we read over here that as they, that was going to happen, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Remember that Elisha has now been following as a disciple of Elijah for quite a few years. We know at least uh, maybe two and a half to three years, if not more, has uh, gone by between Elijah getting hold of Elisha and uh, now this event that we read in chapter 2. 
And we read over here that as Elisha is following um, after, is walking along with Elijah, Elijah says to him on three occasions, and I've just got the first one here for us to look at, but the second and the third, there's a repetition of it. Uh, but here's what Elijah says. He says to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came down to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. So you notice that amongst the prophets, this was quite common knowledge that today was going to be the last day of Elisha's earthly journey or the last few days of Elisha's earthly uh, journey. Not what, what we see happening here as they go from Gilgal to uh, Bethel happens uh, as, as Elijah gets to Bethel. He says, Elisha, God's leading me to Jericho. So you stay here. Let me. And Elisha says, no way. I'm not going to let go of you. And they go to Jericho. After they get to Jericho, which is on the, remember uh, jo Joshua's story, that Jericho is just the first city uh, after you cross the Jordan, as it were. It's the first city in, 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 in Israel. And they get to Jericho. And then um, God says to uh, Elijah, I want you to go across to the Jordan. And uh, again, Elijah says the same thing. And again, Elisha refuses to let go of him. What we can easily see is from this story of uh, a couple of things. One is, of course, uh, the whole sense of knowing God. And uh, I want to talk about that a little bit this morning, about the whole sense of being a prophet, being prophetic. What does that mean? What does that look like? Uh, we want to try and make it very simple so that you can get a hold of it this morning. But also what we can see both with Elijah and Elisha is the need to persevere. Of course, um, you know, if you turn to the great philosopher, one of my um, weekend pursuits uh, or, or, or as often as I, as I can is to add some laughter to my own soul, because as uh, I've said before, laughter is good. It is the best medicine. The scripture says the cheerful heart is like a good medicine. And if you turn to the philosopher uh, Calvin um, and Hobbes, which is the comic strip, and he's making this monumental heroic snow sculpture. And he, call, he says it's going to be called the triumph of perseverance. And Hobbes, who is the imaginary uh, toy tiger, but in, in Calvin's world, uh, re alive, uh, looks at, the, at this little snowball, little bit snowball that Calvin's built out. And he says, uh, it's very inspiring. What will it look like? And Calvin points out to this little snowball and says this. And, and, and Hope says, you're through. <laughs> and Calvin, as you uh, can see in that comic strip, says, I'm bored. You know, uh, there are many reasons why we don't persevere. Um, there's that famous line that came from the, the medieval world, Rome wasn't built in a day. And I was reflecting on uh, Michelangelo this morning. And if you know anything of him, he was a, he was a great sculptor. There's, there, his his uh, um, art is preserved. But of course, you might have also heard about the Sistine Chapel, which, was built, which he painted uh, in the Vatican City. And uh, it was just interesting reading how he did it and how uh, backbreaking the work was as he painted on the roof of the Sistine Chapel. What would have happened if Michelangelo said, oh, I'm bored after doing the first uh, panel? We would have never had the beauty 
of the Sistine Chapel. Anything good. I was recently listening to a book called Culture Making by Andy Crouch. In it, he says, anything good simply takes time. And so we need to learn, first of all, to persevere. We need to learn to persevere. And in these in this chapter, in this portion, there are three places and that signify three ways in which we can persevere. First of all, we must persevere. As we talk about Bethel, Bethel was where Jacob encountered God. That's what Bethel was most famous for. We must persevere to know God better. In chapter 3 of Philippians, you remember the Apostle Paul says, I want to know him that's the first thing he wants to know. He wants to know God first. He wants to know God better. And that's the first area of perseverance. Every day, day after day, may I urge you to get to know him, to know him as a person. Second place that you remember Elijah and Elisha persevered to was Jericho. And of course, Jericho is famous for the victory that Joshua and the people of Israel had when they entered into the promised land. And this tells us that we must persevere to trust God when the odds are against us. We must persevere to trust God. Remember the wonderful story as well of Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, when they were threatened at, at the cost of their life to, to bow down to the idol. Otherwise, they would be finished off. They said, we will not. We believe God will rescue us. But even if he does not, we will not bow down. And just to be able to persevere to that place of trust. Jericho teaches us that. Thirdly, the Jordan teaches us to persevere, to enter into all of God's promises for you and for me. We must persevere because you remember the nation of Israel as they were rescued from bondage in Egypt began this multi-year, multi-generation journey and they were heading towards the promised land and they had to press through there to persevere there. One entire generation was wiped out because they did not persevere to trust God because they did not persevere to know God better. They were not able to enter into the promised land because they failed to know God. They failed to trust God. But as you are able to get to know God, as you're able to get to trust him more, you're able also to enter into the promises that God has for us. That was the great exodus. That is the template, not just for them and, and, and future generations of the Israelites, but it's a template even for us. That we also, like them, are progressing and journeying towards the promises that God has given us. So keep pressing on. Keep persevering to know God better, to trust him more and to enter into all of his promises. That's the first thing that we can learn from this passage. The second thing is this whole idea of the prophetic, uh, the whole idea of uh, what does it mean to uh, to be a prophet? And is that like Old Testament, something you've, you've got to be a special person? Uh, well, actually, as you hear and as you read through the stories of both the Old Testament and even into the New being prophetic simply begins by hearing God. And this is fundamental to our relating with God. 26 plus years, I have uh, been married to Manju. And we have this joke amongst us where she can start a sentence and I can finish it because I know her. My relating with her over these 26 years has got to a place where I can hear what's on her heart. 
She, I, I know what she's thinking of. I can, I can have one look at her, and it's the same for me as well. She can just have one look at me, and she can know what's on my mind. And it's this fundamental aspect of relationship where we hear God, where we hear one another. And that's something that we see uh, in this passage where Elijah is hearing from God. Elisha has heard from God. The other prophets have heard from God. And I want to suggest to you that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ and we are made alive, we now have direct access to God just as Elijah, Elisha and all these prophets had. And that we can hear God. We can sense God just as they did. We do hear God fundamentally from the scriptures. But as you read books like uh, like the letter, of, um, like the book of Acts, for example, you'll see that there are other ways of hearing God, that this idea of hearing God is not um, confined to the Old Testament, but it tracks all the way into the new and is fundamental to uh, our relating with God. But also hearing God is simply knowing his heart and sensing what's on his heart. And, and, and we see this in this book of Elijah, uh, in this uh, passage of Elijah, that, he, that Elisha had this sense of what God was going to do. The prophets had this sense of what God was going to do. And it's simply knowing what's on God's heart. You know, in Amos, there's a, a, there's a short verse which says that God doesn't do anything unless he first reveals his plan to the prophets. You think, for example, let me illustrate it very quickly. God was going to bring judgment to Sodom and Gomorrah. What's the thing that he did before he brought judgment? He shared it with Abraham, who was called the friend of God. So God will share his heart. And as we grow in hearing God, we will grow in knowing God. And then it's, on, it's, it's our responsibility just to share his love. And to keep it simple, not to make it dramatic, but as we, as we read the scriptures, as we understand what God is saying in the scriptures, as we sense God in our own hearts or, or, or we hear God in different ways, maybe in dreams. And I can share stories with you of how God has spoken to me through dreams and how, and how God can speak to us different ways. God has spoken through a donkey. God can speak by writing on the wall. God can speak in many, many different ways. Every single way that we see in the scriptures is possible because God God is an unchanging God and God can speak to us. God can communicate to us. God can reach us. But when he does, we must remember that when we share it, when we share what God is saying to us, when we share what's on what we are sensing is on God's heart, we must share it in love. With that grand passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 uh, comes on the back of uh, an, 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 a number of encouragements uh, to, uh, to, to use the spiritual gifts well. But as you know, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. So remember that. Remember that, it's, that whatever we hear, whatever we are understanding of God's heart, there's a tribe called Isachar. When you read through the Old Testament, they were told that they had understanding of the times. They were a wise people. Uh, over the weekend, I was reading David's prayer and desire for his son Solomon. And one of the things David prayed was, I pray that you have discernment, that you'll have discernment. 
That is a gift from God to discern what's happening, to, to understand circumstances and to understand God's heart in those circumstances. So I want to encourage us this morning to, to persevere, um, to, to step into the prophetic. But we do that because we are looking for the joy that is set before us. Jesus, we're told, endured the cross, scorning in shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then look at this. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's another reason why we don't persevere. That's another reason why we want to give up because we just grow tired. You're tired of working from home. You're tired of lockdowns. You get tired of curfews, tired of people, tired of circumstances, tired of not having prayers being answered, tired of not seeing success in the things that you're trying to do. You can just go weary, simply weary, and we can lose heart. We can just want to give up. This morning, may the cross and the encouragement that comes from the cross and help us not to give up. Jesus looked ahead at the joy and endured the cross. And his endurance and his victory through the cross gives us the necessary strength to not grow weary and lose heart. I pray you will not fail. I pray you will be strong. I pray you will persevere today and every day until you enter into your promised land. God bless you.